everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Rally podcast. As always, joining you today, your two hosts, I'm Colton Spomer. And I'm Laurel. And we have a awesome, super special guest today joining us. That's right. That's right. This is Justin Liu, a very close friend of these two absolutely <laughs> wonderful hosts who have invited me to join their prestigious show, and I can't wait for all of you to hear this when it's ready. He's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. We don't have very many fans, but our fans that we have are... They're, they're loyal. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we haven't seen Justin um, for quite some time, especially with the pandemic and everything. We went to Mines with him. Yep. Justin and I were uh, peer mentors together. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's as if it were fate <laughs> that I got to meet these two lovely people. <laughs> so yeah, peer mentors, they kind of help. Uh, incoming freshmen. Yeah. First years, if you want to be. Oh, I guess. Yes. <laughs> they help the incoming year of students. Um, and there's like a class that you guys help with. And yeah. Stuff so like me and Justin well. taught a class. That was interesting. <laughs> Wasn't it like at 8 a.m.? We had like a really early class. It was at 8 a.m. You know, I have to say that the students we had were exceptionally nice. Yeah. And we didn't have a single problem the entire year. So we were really lucky. We were also lucky that we got along with each other. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky that the actual adult teacher of the class was also really nice and really understanding. So of the scenarios that could have happened, I think we got one of the better yeah, ones, yeah. but the 8 a.m. was not the best. <laughs> I have to look back on that and agree with you. Was your person the Greek coordinator? <laughs> no, um, she was in charge of like student life, though. Okay. But okay. she was in charge. We didn't have a Greek coordinator then, or maybe we did. But yeah, you did, but... No, she wasn't. I forget I couldn't remember, because I took it at the time that they were teaching it, these two, and I had... The he- at the time the head of the mechanical engineering department as oh. my <laughs> person because we had she like didn't go to school for engineering she was just uh, an mm. admin at the school so she was very fun bubbly where colton's <laughs> like that's better <laughs> colton's was like a mind's perfect she was like, very yeah like engineering <laughs> stern, which isn't too bad <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah that's how you two met and then we also had a class together we had we did yeah, yeah, that's how I met Justin. Really, hold oh, up, hold wait, up, hold I up. Remember. I have something, but I have something to say about this. I think Colton and I just naturally connected, right? <laughs> Our good friendship just blossomed out of the ground like a beautiful lily on a summer's day, you know. And from that first sight in the class, or whenever I met you, if Laurel ever um, introduced us. <laughs> We just knew at that moment it was meant to be. I know. I think know, I briefly Our friendship met you. bloomed and has done nothing but grow ever since. <laughs> I'm not trying to third wheel <laughs> here. Okay, I'm just stating factual information. <laughs> it's just how it happened. <laughs> yeah, we met and... We had in, mass media studies together, didn't yeah, we? Yep. What a oh, class. that's right. <laughs> With John, whatever his name was. Maybe his name was John. Was I think it John. was John. Who knows? It's not Fuller because that's no. It was uh, yeah. I don't remember his last name, but John. That was a class. <laughs> there, it was uh, it was the only Haas class, which is like the um, language class, English, history, those kind of classes. You're more like liberal arts classes that I had to take at Mines. It was like a 400 level, and he, this guy, he would have like this. He called it the Wheel of Doom, that 
would shuffle through he would put everybody in the class's names in the in like this random name picker and he would just hit it every time he had a question and if it came up on your name you had to answer the question and your participation grade was based off that my name was never called the whole semester i was i was called once there was you get called on justin i don't remember um i do remember (laughs) the wheel of doom it was up on the wall yep and you, yeah, you would have to answer the question. There was no pass. Um, maybe two or three times, but I remember a couple of people in that class who would always get picked. I, I swear, know. their it name was, not was random. on so many times. There was, yeah, there was some people that would just, every class had to answer a question. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because it was, it was the kind of class where you had to read like a chapter beforehand, mm-hmm. and I don't think... I did personally never. I, I tried to read, but we just never got there around to There was reading? It. Yeah. Because <laughs> we'd have to pair up in groups, and it was a group of three of us. Yeah. And, and none of us would know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a little nice, though, because it wasn't like history or something like that, where there's a wrong answer and there's a right answer. They were all about your ideas in the mass media and stuff like that. So it was like... Even without the reading, you could kind of make it up, make your way through. <laughs> Thank you, make it. It was one of my more interesting classes, but anyway, Justin th- was a graduating senior, so he yeah. just checked out. By yeah, then. I was a graduating senior. I checked out uh, on the first day of that year. You know, I feel like actually CSM one hundred and one teaching with Laurel. That was the class that I cared the most about because I felt like I had an opportunity to make an impact on other people. But on my own life, I didn't actually try like, that hard, nah. which is kind of counterintuitive because I still at that time didn't have a job lined up. Um, so well, the CSM one hundred and one, they were also paying you for. So yes, they were also paying me. That helps to get my butt out of bed at eight o'clock a.m. <laughs> Yeah, and then I think it was because I wore, like, my Ford GT hat at some point to the class. Like, it was one of the days that I didn't have time to do my hair. I barely rolled out of bed. And Justin's like, oh, do you like cars? Or You asked me something about my hat. And then I was like, I got excited because barely anybody else liked racing that I knew at mine. Yeah, but in you, America. You, and I both, you and I both knew that whenever we were, whenever we first met in even the same area we, we were meant to be you know the hat the hat <laughs> may have been the first trigger point all. but in reality After we that. were just waiting for <laughs> destiny to find its way exactly because then we you and i did a couple things after that we went down to the denver car show right the big one in downtown denver oh that's right yes yeah because i still have i have like a little google photo thing that it flips through all my different Google photos. And I always see the one of you and me sitting in the, I think it was like a Ferrari or some, some very nice car, maybe a Jaguar. Whatever it would have been. It could have been a Fiat 500. I still would have (laughs) framed it and put it on my wall to preserve the moment, you know? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, Justin and I are both really into racing as we discussed. The only two people in America? Yeah. Yes, I think we are the people. only two F1 fans in the whole United States. All those people like I NASCAR. saw. You're not NASCAR I'm racing. not a big NASCAR guy. No, if I'm watching oval racing, it's mostly IndyCar. Um, yeah. Or I'm participating in IndyCar oval racing on my computer setup. 
That's something that we can probably touch on as well. I think this would be a great opportunity for me to use the huge audience that Laurel and Colton's podcast brings in to expand my Twitch streaming channel and talk about my passions. Of course, that's part of the reason that we brought you on. Fantastic. Because last night, me and Colton tuned in to your Twitch stream. We've been meaning to. Tune in. So Justin has a twi- Twitch stream. We we have a lot of Twitch streamers on the podcast. My my brother was the other one, um, and we always see it on your Instagram story. And I always like since I don't go through stories too often. I always like write as you're like another awesome stream. I'm like, no, we missed it again. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and this is my first plug. Keep a tally, ladies and gents, because this <laughs> this this might take up more spaces on the paper than you've got. But number one plug, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time is when I stream. So I am on a schedule, believe it or not. For the time being, as we are trying to reach our goals for followers in the stream, we have a very strict schedule that we nearly almost stick to. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, normally the yeah. stream goes for an hour and a half um, and then I get tired and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Justin streams and you're trying to reach affiliate is that what it's called yeah What's so once goal? you hit once you hit 50 followers on Twitch and you have to also fulfill a certain number of hours streamed per month then you get a Twitch affiliate status and that gives people the opportunity to subscribe to you using Twitch Prime or they can mm. subscribe to you with money if they're even crazy enough to pay me <laughs> money every month for absolutely no additional benefit. Um, the donations, here's plug number two, the donations can be done at any time, cash donations through Streamlabs. <laughs> I don't need an affiliate status for that. If you are feeling uh, particularly stupid and you want to donate <laughs> actual money to me as I'm streaming for, again, no additional benefit or content, you can feel free to do that right now. I don't need the affiliate status. But what I think is cool about the affiliate status is that um, Twitch recognizes you as a partner. Um, obviously, you are able to get now advertisements on your stream. Um, so you'll be watching ads for um, either other streamers or ads for games or other things that streamers awesome. uh, consume. Um, so that's the goal. We will see how long it takes me to get there. But in reality, I'm in no rush because the purpose of me streaming is just to share my passions, my love for sim racing, with an audience who wants to watch. And if I can build a regular audience who comes to watch me stream and interacts during my stream and talks, just like you two were doing last night, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. That's the most I can ask for, you know, especially in quarantine. A lot of people yeah. are finding it difficult to go out and do things, mostly because you can't go and do things. You know, the world <laughs> is changing, but a platform like this, a platform like Twitch, where you are able to interact with an audience over very long distances in real time and share with each other passions that maybe some other people would never have realized that's really what I find unique about this platform and that's why I do what I do it's really cool sounded like such a job interview question I'm sorry about that it was a bit long-winded too no No. great it's always fun to have somebody instead of just being like yeah I stream on the side it's so much more fun to have somebody who's passionate about yeah. it and when you say sim racing that's simulated racing right now yeah <laughs> so a lot of people 
desire to do things in life. You know, maybe when you were young, you really wanted to grow up to be a professional soccer player. You really wanted to be um, a police officer or a firefighter. You know, and while everyone is totally capable of doing what they want to do and pursuing their dreams, sometimes there are a lot of barriers in the way between you and, well, reality. And being a race car driver takes a lot of money, a lot of time, and it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's the reason why a lot of people pay money to go and watch other people do it rather than actually doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of barriers to entry, and even when you get there, there's no guarantee that you'll succeed. So the idea with sim racing, or yeah, like Laurel, you said, simulated racing, is that it's as close to real as you can get, but without the immense recurring fees that happen with every race weekend that you have to go to, without the (laughs) danger of crashing and and seriously injuring yourself in an accident. Um, And also, there's no travel commitment either. But what I think makes sim racing really cool is... If you're playing video games, say you want to be a basketball player, you could play NBA 2K on your PlayStation using a controller. Mm-hmm. But you can only get so immersed in the experience. Like the only interface that you have, there's no like controller that's a basketball that's or right. something that you throw. Exactly. But um, if you check out my Instagram, JustinL14, <laughs> you can see actual pictures <laughs> of <three>. my sim <laughs> That's plug number three if you're counting, ladies and gents. <laughs> For those keeping track. <laughs> For those keeping track. You can see actual pictures of my sim rig, and you can see there's steering wheels, there's pedals, there's shifters. These are all actual pieces of hardware that I use to transform my virtual experience to be as real as possible. That's what I think makes this hobby cool. Yeah, and it's not just like a steering wheel too. Does it provide feedback? Is that what it's called? It does, yeah. So there's feedback in the pedals. There's feedback in the wheel. Um, so you can really feel like what it, it would be like driving. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because cool. like when you, even when you drive down the street, you like know that when you're making a left-hand turn, you turn the steering wheel, and when you start to go, the ter- steering wheel wants to turn back to normal, right? That's what really is the force feedback. And obviously, it's much more exaggerated when you're going at higher speeds of 100, 200 miles an hour. Yeah, but what makes this so cool is, like you said, the feeling that you get from driving a race car is as close as you can get um, when you buy something like this. And it's not like you have to go all out and buy a setup that's worth several thousand dollars. There are different price options for you to get into this hobby and to get into what I consider this sport of virtual sim Mm -hmm. racing. And it really takes not only a lot of brain power to think about how you should make moves, how you should race other people online, but it also takes a little bit of physical strength too. You know, you have to turn the wheel, you have to do this racing for a long time. And when you are racing in real time with other people, there's no pause button. You can pause in a video game like in 2K or in um, an NFL game or in a soccer game. FIFA, something like that. Something like that. But when you're racing, you have to continue going. And one of the things that I find so difficult, but increases the immersion of the experience, is when you have mistakes, when you make accidents, it's really easy for you to get psyched out. But what you really have to do is you really have to rebound from the mistake, and you have to make the best out of the rest of the race. Because like in real life... When they drop the green flag to say go on lap one, 
you don't stop until you get to the end. There's no timeouts.、Mm-hmm. There's no breaks. Maybe there's a yellow flag where everyone slows down, but you're still driving around. You're still around other people.、Warm. You still have to be alert. Yeah. So I was gonna go more into because I find it interesting your personal setup. Because、um, I so you said that you have a steering wheel with like force feedback and you have pedals with force feedback. I just got for Christmas. Just a smaller, like three hundred dollars steering wheel and pedal setup that clamps to your table, and、uh, just normal pedals. The steering wheel has force feedback, but the pedals don't. Stuff like that. But that's really cool that even your pedals have force feedback. You also have like a three monitor setup, right? Yeah. Do you use all three monitors like for the racing, or do you have、uh, the stream stuff on one of the monitors? I use. Uh, all three monitors for racing, and then the stream I trust is working in the background. And I have <laughs> a lot of software on like my phone and on external tablets that's giving me information about the stream, so that I know it's working. And every now and again, I might check in on the stream if it's not a live race, if it's just racing with a computer instead of real people. I'll pause and I'll、mm-hmm. take a look at the stream to make sure it's going. Or in some cases, like we saw last night, I will ask the audience if I'm not just speaking to myself, or if you're just <laughs> looking at a waiting screen, looking for something to happen. Um, so that's why I like having viewers because they help me out. I'm not able to see the stream、uh, on my screen. I'm hoping、mm-hmm. in the future to actually purchase a new rig that is able to accommodate four monitors, so I can、Ooh. see the three monitors stretched in front of me, so I can see the horizon. And then on the top, I'll have. A stream monitor that will give me information about how the stream's going, how my computer is performing,、uh, things like that. But you mentioned your Logitech wheel. Yeah. Remember, you sent me a picture of it a couple of months back. You know what's great about this sport is that if you have any sort of wheel that works with the game, is compatible, the software is, you can race whoever you want. Yeah. So I, on this way too expensive, don't spend as much money as I did. <laughs> We may get to a price reveal later. Not right now. It's too painful. But the amount of money that I spent, you don't have to spend that. You can buy a used Logitech wheel for just a hundred or two hundred dollars, and you are able to race on the same servers that I am. You are able to race on the same servers as people who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars、yeah. on their setup and their equipment, and. It's an equal playing field in that you are in equally powered cars on the same racetrack at the same time, and you're able to really show what you're worth. And it doesn't matter how much money you spent on the hardware and on the steering wheels and on the pedals; it matters how good you are at racing. And as we see in even the pinnacle of motorsport, Formula One racing, a lot of the performance of the team is based off of how fast the car is.、Mm-hmm. Even the driver is so good or so bad, there is a lot left up to the car performance. In virtual racing, it's a lot up to the driver because everyone is given、It、the same number of pixels. Exactly out of the equation. Yeah, I think it's really cool because during quarantine, when obviously all the sports events had to kind of stop because we couldn't have spectators, there couldn't be teams. A lot of The mainly younger,、um, more tech savvy Formula One drivers would race each other online, and there was like actual、um, races that were held by Formula One that the drivers would race each other, and they set up and they'd have guests, and it was just cool to 
they all even had ranges of different driving wheels but you could actually see what all the drivers brought to the table um having that removed and again back to the thing of you you couldn't do that with basketball they couldn't all go all the basketball players couldn't go play nba online or something like that but it was a close representation to the actual driving experience that they get in racing formula one yeah and watching people do this online watching real racers actually drive online on television during the times when actual races would have been scheduled Mm -hmm. that inspired a lot of people exactly on those actual tracks that inspired a lot of people to go and buy all of this gear at all of the price ranges and you know what it it makes me glad that i actually purchased all of my gaming equipment in january and in february (laughs) because come march when things started shutting down everyone who watched these formula one stars and other indycar racing stars as well do battling online thought wow i can do that too and they went online and they bought literally every single piece of hardware and then every time i tried to look up and purchase like a new steering wheel or some upgrades for my setup they were all sold out and they were all (laughs) backlogged for like two or three months i was like what the heck is going on how did all of this stuff sell out you know these companies that make this kind of equipment and all the broadcasters and stuff you know while the nba and other sports organizations lost viewership because they weren't able to do anything during this time Mm -hmm. racing actually gained a lot of popularity that was at the time some of the only quote-unquote live sports you could watch even though it was virtual but you could watch it and people flocked to the sport they flocked to um, auto racing and they gained popularity in it and now that the racing has come back TV ratings have gone up because mm-hmm. those same people who watched basically the only thing they the could watch live action <laughs> during quarantine now are really interested in the real thing now that it's back. Mm-hmm. And again, it I think it brought, bringing Laurel back into the conversation, <laughs> uh, it brought like a new, because like you said, there's no barrier of like, they don't want to put some rando behind the wheel of a Formula One car. They were able to bring these just more popular people into they give them a sim racing wheel or something because they the Liam first Payne from one direction <laughs> the first f1 series that there was <laughs> liam Payne from one direction raced he that's did right absolutely terrible he retired like the first two laps <laughs> which but means he, he like, had forfeited. a chance and he technically did. he had just as much of a chance he to had succeed a crazy as all setup the rest. too yeah i think we talked about this in a previous podcast but it was a whole it was like part of a car they brought into his apartment <laughs> yeah they had he had like the whole seat set up and everything that uh i'm sure you've seen a lot justin you have close <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do remember seeing that race and you know laurel it's really cool that they allowed some of these celebrities to fill in for either drivers who were occupied during that time or celebrities who just wanted something new to do Mm -hmm. and bring a new audience to the sport exactly i know you've also colin's been making me watch drive to survive on netflix yeah so i've learned a little bit more about racing (laughs) see this is we are bringing you into our family (laughs) albeit a bit forcefully but we are still doing it I just ask questions the whole time. Well, I you have to, to pause the Netflix show all the time. Even on your Twitch stream, I, Colton had to explain everything. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of one of the questions I had. I can't remember. But You mean last night with yeah. the Twitch? You, 
we had to ask Justin because I hadn't seen that sim before and I my eyes were a little wonky um I couldn't I was like how many laps are there left so we had to ask how many laps they were left yeah you're like it's a time time you know what's really tricky is because I race in triple monitors I can only stream one monitor to twitch because if I Mm, tried to stream all three it would just look stretched and horrible so a lot of my uh head up display items like the lap time and my position and how many laps are left are on the side screens so oh, okay. that makes yeah, it kind of difficult. Sense. In the case of the game I was streaming last night, there was a nice, helpful little screen in the middle, but it was kind of tiny. So part of the struggle with my current setup is having to explain to people who are new to the channel, who are showing up as new viewers, what's going on. Because mm-hmm. even if you understand racing and you watch a lot of racing, you may not know what the limitations of my setup are or the limitations of the game, because maybe you've never played it before. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm going to have to work out as we continue to grow the channel. Yeah. <laughs> and so for most racing races you do, do you do qualifying matches first, and then an actual race? It's not like like in Mario Kart, you just start like a new race. and. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the game. For the most part, I'll do a practice session and then a qualifying so to make sure that everyone lines up roughly where they should in terms of speed, and then I'll do a race. What's cool about some of the online racing I do, and normally I don't stream online racing with real people because I like to be really focused, really in the zone when I'm actually fighting for points on my license. Um, In those races, they're ranked based off of your license points. So you get points for doing well in races, that improves your license, and depending on how you rank, according to everyone who plays the game... Those are the people that you are put into the lobby with, and those are the people you do a quote-unquote race weekend with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so for those that don't know, like a normal Formula One race weekend, it consists of, um, I think, three practices, and then there's three qualifying rounds. And those, each qualifying round eliminates some drivers, and then you have the final round, which determines where this top... 10 drivers start um so it's determined by fastest lap yes so they all are racing for times and then they but that doesn't count towards your final score it's just where you start it's just where you start because starting is a big impact of where you'll finish especially in modern day formula one whoever starts first whoever's first to the first corner a lot of times wins the race yeah that's one of the things of there not being a reset button you can have timeouts in sports where then the ball is reset in the middle of the court in racing once you start that position is kept relatively the same yeah uh, across two hours as long as you don't make mistakes exactly Mm -hmm. and so like what would a common mistake be or uh watch my stream twitch.tv <laughs> uh common mistakes uh spinning out hitting barriers hitting other cars uh there's also the potential that you could have a bad pit stop it's not just you out there even though you are in control of the car the car needs new tires the car might need more fuel then you have to pull into the pits where there are service people who will put new tires on the car, fuel the car. They could make a mistake there, as we've seen in the past. So it definitely is a team sport, even though for the majority of the time, 95% of the race, it's you in the car going around the track. And adding to the team, I mean, Formula One teams now are 1,200 or 2,000 people. 
they're huge teams all developing the car um as justin said the pit crew um obviously getting sponsors and stuff like that but a huge part of racing and you see it even more in longer races like 24-hour races the le mans stuff like that that so much of it is can your car last um and you see it all the time where just a car will be doing really well and halfway through the race their brakes are overheating or their engine gives out their power unit gives out and they have to retire due to no mistake that they personally made as the driver but just something that went wrong with the car and that's another aspect of racing is it helps to develop these car technologies i mean all technologies uh, many technologies that you use in your car today came from racing and race teams trying to push technology to the limit which is really cool so the next topic i want to bring up if i could actually introduce something yeah it's kind of a controversial topic and oh. i'm glad that i can discuss this with good friends but the topic i'm thinking of is the validity of esports as an actual sport mm. now we have seen a lot in the news, especially with the rise of very popular gamers in very popular mainstream games, saying that esports should be considered a real sport and treated as such. This is very controversial because we have a lot of keyboard warriors on the internet who don't play <laughs> computer games or actual sports on TV, contributing to this argument and saying things about how one side is right, the other side is wrong, etc. And I want to bring sim racing into this because there was an incident that happened during one of the quarantine races that should definitely be brought up. I can actually think of two, but the first one mm -hmm. I want to talk about is cheating in a nationally televised event. Mm. So Formula E... <laughs> what did you say? Well, I didn't hear about this. Team. Yeah. So <laughs> there is an electric racing series called Formula E, and it is basically formula cars that are powered by electricity, and they race in city settings. Uh, and it, it's in real life, and they tour around the world, and they it's actually so have... It's so interesting. I know, exactly. Note, watching Formula E, because it's there's silent cars, right? It's like the Tesla makes the noise, so it's just like... Hmm, hmm. like exactly. It's very quiet. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and they actually do one race a year in New York City, and I was planning on going this year, but I'll be darned. That didn't work out. <laughs> uh, now, the con the controversy came up in one of the virtual races. Now, keep in mind, these virtual races do not have to do with actual points. There was a virtual championship, but that had nothing to do with the real-life championship, which just concluded a couple of weeks ago with six in-person races. Mm -hmm. But during quarantine, basically, the Formula E championship gave every single driver the same sim rig. But they gave the option for them to use their own if they had one. But they essentially mandated that everyone in the real championship had to participate in this virtual championship. And they had points for it, and they televised the event on YouTube every other week or so. And they raced on the actual tracks that they would in real life. They actually had people build these tracks in a game, build the cars as well, and mm -hmm. they did actual sessions and televised all of that for people to watch. Because sim now, racing, again, sorry to keep doing side notes, it's extremely detailed. I mean, 
you can adjust everything on your car, the PSI on each individual tire, the lift, down exactly how they would real cars and the way physics engines are and everything nowadays. It's crazy the level of detail that there is. So people take it very seriously. So it's not like Mario Kart? It is not like Mario Kart. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue again, Justin. Yeah, so there was one of the two Audi sports factory drivers. Now, Audi is a very large manufacturer brand, a very large luxury car brand, as we know it in the United States, that lots of people associate with strong cars, good luxury, all the things that you want in a strong brand. And one of their drivers decided during one of the final rounds of this virtual championship to have someone sit in for him. Now, the rule is that you, yourself, the actual driver, must participate in this race. And at all times during the race, you have to have a web camera on you so that at any time the broadcast can cut to your web camera and prove that it is actually you piloting the virtual car in this simulated game. Now, this individual decided when he replaced himself with someone else, he had the camera on this guy, this guy was somewhere else, right? He was somewhere entirely different. <laughs> he didn't just, you know, walk in his house and just do this, right? He didn't break in. He this was planned. It was someone entirely different in an entirely different place who called into their, I guess, meeting, mm-hmm. whatever they used to televise the show, and he did the entire race hmm. for him in his place. This was a professional sim racer that this guy quote-unquote hired to do this race for him i believe he finished third that's pretty good and it was funny because during the actual race some of the drivers were like this guy's really fast (laughs) because normally in these virtual races he wasn't very good let's be Mm -hmm. let's let's be honest here and he was finishing maybe like 16th 18th place 20th place well all of a sudden he finishes third (laughs) i feel like you got to use somebody from the beginning and it's his car driving with his name and it's somebody else but what they did to trick the requirement is they put a web camera but they blocked off about this much so you could only see part of the fake person's face but it was still within the regulation well this guy he never had the camera shown in his face because they assumed that maybe you know he he blocked it on accident or he forgot to take the privacy cover off or something but he did the whole race and then people were kind of like hmm I wonder what's going on here yeah So after the race was over, it was discovered that the real racing driver had asked this professional sim racer to do the entire race for him. And Audi, the The the, the people who hired this actual race car driver to drive their real cars, they found out about this. They fired the the racing driver on the spot, took away all his sponsors, told him, get lost, we're replacing you once the season gets underway with real cars. And he had to find a seat to complete the rest of the season. And luckily he did. He completed with another team. But it was a team with substantially less uh, funding than the Audi factory-backed team who had given him lots of money in a very competitive car that he used to race to podiums and even some wins in his past. And what's really significant is that this individual who got fired had been with the team since the very first Formula E race. Formula E is not a very... Uh, it hasn't been in motorsport for a long time, I think since 2014. But yeah, this, because we've just got electric vehicles. Exactly. This individual had participated in every single Formula E race for this Audi-backed factory team, and they fired him on the spot. Because No of that. questions asked. 
because he That's cheated sucks. in this event. By rules, he cheated. He was supposed to participate. Audi told him to participate. His bosses essentially found out that he had cheated and they were not going to have mm. any of it and they replaced him immediately with someone else. Well, that's respectable from the team, I'd say. I know, at least the whole team didn't put that on. Like, yeah. it was just him. It wasn't something put on by Audi Motorsports. Yeah, but Audi Motorsports decided to fire mm-hmm. this guy. Yeah. It wasn't the sanctioning body. It wasn't Formula E who said, you have to fire this guy for cheating. It was Audi who decided, we don't tolerate cheating in our business. And we are not going to stand by these shenanigans, whatever the intentions are. And you know what's really interesting is after he got found out for cheating, the racing driver basically said, I wanted to give this no-name sim racer with real talent a chance to shine on the international That's what I'd say too if I did it. I know, if I got fired by a multi-billion dollar corporation for cheating in a virtual event that was worth literally no points, no anything. It didn't matter, that's the best part of it all. The virtual race meant nothing like in the grand... So then this sparked the conversation. Is this kind of esports that serious that it can cost someone a real job? And does that then make esports... A real job and then a real sport. This is the controversy that I want to bring into the conversation. Well, see, can I go first? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. like racing, the way you guys do it, is a little bit different than some video games and esports. I think sometimes with like controllers, there's some games that are a little more advanced and they require more strategy and skill, but there's some, it's just how fast can you hit a button? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that is necessarily the same caliber as feeling the feedback and actually needing the arm strength to turn cars and have the endurance of keeping up with it. But I think the argument is, like, where do you draw the line? I mean, this, it's all about who can push a button faster, but there's sporting events where it's all about who can throw a ball farther. Like, I guess you're saying that it takes more muscle strength to throw the ball farther but some would argue it takes faster reflexes that i've trained to hit the button faster yeah and i'm just saying this is where the argument where mm -hmm. the line gets blurred i think too with like sports in general there's difference between like sports and games both Mm -hmm. can require physical strength and strategy but there is a line between what's like a game and what's a sport what's that line I don't know, Cole. <laughs> it's a hard line, but I think that is the same falls into esports. There's some that are more esports and some that are just like competitive games. And they could be very competitive and like yep. have big prize money, pay the players a lot of money, but I don't know if it's necessarily a sport. Going back to Justin's example, asking whether or not these are big, taking it like taken seriously enough to cost somebody their actual racing career. I think especially in that example, it boils down to more than anything. It just speaks to your character. And as pretty much it sounds like Audi's motorsports did, they said, well, we don't tolerate somebody whose character aligns with doing that, even if this doesn't matter. And therefore, you're not on the team. But if you're willing to cheat in such an instance like this, how far are you willing to take it in the future? It just adds and adds. Mm -hmm. It speaks to who you are, even if this isn't the real series. Because I'm sure if he really didn't want to do it, he could have just been like, I'm not doing that. Or like, how much do I have to pay just to not show up? Yeah. Like, no. (laughs) I. Or Or just log in and drive the wrong way or something. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, actually, driving the wrong way, that brings up another kind of controversial topic that kind of feeds into what we've been talking about with this cheating thing. So uh, I talked about Formula E and their issue there. Now, the issue I want to bring up next is with IndyCar racing. So IndyCar is very popular in the United States, and it is televised every other weekend when the races happen mm -hmm. on NBC Sports, which is a cable news network, a cable network that is widely watched by lots of people who like sports and motorsports. They did a virtual Indy 500 over the summer during the same time when the real Indy 500 would have happened. Mm -hmm. And during that race, there was one of the real drivers who had gotten into a racing incident with another driver earlier in the race. Mm. And I guess he let it sit with him in his head <laughs> because he was streaming to an audience and also streaming to real people watching on cable TV. And he said to the camera, he's like, we're going to take him out the next lap. He said that into the camera. Like, he, I don't know what he was thinking, but he said that. And this guy was leading the race. The guy who wanted to crash was leading the race. So he purposely slowed down for a couple of laps to let all the cars go around and then when the leader went past on a left-handed corner he turned right and <laughs> crashed straight into this guy who was leading the race on a televised network hmm. and like they flipped through the air and it was crazy and there was this whole show and the same thing actually happened on the last lap of a race of the of that same race the guy who was in, there were two people in second and third place and the person in second place decided he really wanted second so about 500 yards before the line he turned right on a straight and crashed the other guy out to get second place mm. And a lot of people went to social media afterwards to discuss, and they said, this is an absolute mockery. You cannot intentionally take out your competitors on live TV, even if it's virtual, because you wouldn't think about doing that in a real car mm -hmm. with real weight in real life going 200 miles per hour. That's very dangerous. You could be sent to prison for intentionally mm -hmm. harming somebody or trying to I harm someone. I mean, if someone. you killed somebody and they could prove that you were were trying to kill this person it's first degree murder right i mean it, it intent to kill and but the video game aspect of it removes that level of well i might get injured doing this the car might get damaged like there's the car doesn't cost anything mm -hmm. right it's a virtual car and sure that's a lot of fun to do right like me and my brother would race each other on the Xbox growing up and my brother wasn't very good. He could beat me at other every other video game, but I was better at driving in car racing sims than he was and so he didn't care for him and would just go the wrong way on the lap and try to take me out. <laughs> and uh, Right, and I I know that's all that's all well and good, but on this we were we weren't being broadcasted on nbcsn or um stuff like that so it's again where does it become just hanging out with your friends or it, this is a sporting event that you need to be taking seriously and how do you force people to take it seriously? what are the rules in actual racing if someone were to hit someone intentionally or to really damage their car is there no kind of you backlash can, is there any fines for that you can get 
um, in Formula One especially, you'll get t- time taken off of your um, your racing. You can have five seconds added, ten seconds added, and that could be the difference between first and like twenty fourth. Um, and along with that, because it's the real world and simulations, well, they are good. Um, they're not completely realistic to what the real world real world would be you're going to damage your car to the point that you're not able to race as well as you were before um by trying to take somebody out so by hitting somebody else you're gonna met slightly damage your axle or hit your front wing and that's going to be potentially more detrimental than what you did to them it's just something that you don't do because there's so many repercussions in so many ways in the real world. Hmm. Yeah, that is something I hadn't thought of, though, with, like, sim racing. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really interesting is that neither of these two people who intentionally crashed their competitors on live TV had any repercussions by their real-world bosses, their real teams, or their real sponsors. These two people are still racing in the real world, racing very aggressively, and in very many ways replicating their behavior that they showed Mm. online. What I think is interesting is that, as in real life, you can show your true colors in virtual life. And we've seen lots of streamers and internet personalities say some really mean, really rude things that get them either banned from the platform or get them basically to take a vacation for a little while as they're requested by their bosses or completely just wiped off of the virtual world completely. And it really sets in stone the idea that we really have to watch what we're doing, especially if we're in the spotlight, but, you know, just as normal people, Mm -hmm. our actions have consequences, no matter what kind of audience you are broadcasting to or whoever you are a role model for so it's important to to keep that in mind no matter what you're doing and i feel like all of the things that are happening virtually in the world now from meetings to racing online it's proven who really is a good person who can handle the stress of doing something differently who can handle things not working the way that you expect Mm -hmm. on any kind of audience level. Because I think it's also, I mean, we've now had this shift um, also with esports, whereas before, I I mean, the the pandemic and everything has also shifted the esports world because before um, a lot of championship racing or... Um, esports competitions would be held in person with a live audience everybody would be in the same room um but now they're all being at home everybody's using their own personal gaming rig or um gaming setup from their own house which means you now have that level of separation where something that you maybe wouldn't have done in person because of the game gamesmanship you now are like whatever i'm in my house i'll just log off if something goes poorly or 
if this doesn't work out the way I want, I'll just close my computer. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. There's Whereas, no press to come after there's you. There's no press. There's no, I mean, that guy can't then stand up and punch me in the face. <laughs> and we live across the world from each other. Hmm. So yeah. there's now another level of separation um, from that. And that goes back to the first scenario of having somebody else race for you. It was impossible um, when they were all in the same room. Somebody else set up the gaming rig. You all had the same gaming rig. And it obviously was you because you're here. Yeah. And you mentioned rage quitting. There was actually a funny story about that, too. <laughs> of course there is. Adults acting like children. <laughs> a lot of streamers will rage quit in the middle of their stream if they feel like they're <laughs> having a lot of well. bad games or not doing well or they don't want their audience to belittle them or make fun of them in chat so one of the NASCAR races, so now we're in our third virtual series, one of the NASCAR races, a driver was taken out very early in the race, maybe like lap 20 out of 200 or something like that. And he decided that since he was basically out of the race, there was no reason to keep going, even though his car was still drivable. So he just completely shut off his computer and went on Twitter, of course, his magic thumbs, <laughs> got him on Twitter and he said, I quit, this is stupid, why are we even doing this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, his real sponsors have internet, unfortunately. Yeah. So they went <laughs> on the out. internet and they saw this tweet and they tweeted back to him in full view of anyone who has access to the internet and to Twitter oh, and my. said... Our sponsorship with you in virtual and real life is over. Good luck. (laughs) Wow. So many careers just ended. Exactly. So many many careers ended from a a virtual simulation. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, it's just... And I do think part of it is that separation of... You just feel like you can do whatever you want when it's over a keyboard or when it's over well there's no one who's around you to be like no no no, you need to stick it out like yeah think of the repercussions that you're like by yourself isolated from everyone else so you're just like you have your own thoughts going on no one's there to like remind you hey maybe this is worth more than like five minutes of (laughs) throwing a tantrum like you have a lot of sponsors and a career you've built yeah So we've done a lot of kind of negative Nancy talking about people who have ruined their careers. I think now would be a time to talk about how sim racing has actually improved people's careers. (laughs) I follow a lot of people on YouTube and on Twitch and Facebook gaming who have taken this kind of virtual sim racing and made it their own. And they have huge followings of people, five to 10,000 people who are continually watching their streams and are loyal fans for several years. And you know what I think makes sim racing so unique is that there are a lot of people who are playing Call of Duty or playing Fortnite, games Mm -hmm. that are available to a lot of people, sometimes for free. But there aren't that many sim racers. And truth be told, there aren't that many people who are into racing. There are a lot of people who like football and like basketball and like hockey. Especially in this country. Especially in this country. But there aren't that many people who like racing. So 
if you can really yeah. establish yourself as I'm the an entertaining basketball <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about racing. That's okay. You don't need to know anything about you know more about concerts and bands and artists <laughs> in one finger, okay, than I know in my entire body. So I don't worry about that. Everyone has their own passions. But that's why this podcast is so great, right? We invite mm-hmm. lots of people to this podcast to talk about their individual passions that are all so very different. No, we're here to other. tell Laurel that we're actually turning no. this into a racing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry. It's the it's the Colton and Justin podcast now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do a spinoff show. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about the relevancy of uh, streamers in this specific field. So there are lots of big names like Arava and Jimmy Broadbent, people who have really nice sim rigs and really strong computers that are able to broadcast their gameplay to thousands of people across the world. And they have regular streaming schedules and they always get lots of donations and they have lots of fans. But truth be told, they all start in the same place with an idea and with a dream. It's funny because my most... Uh, beloved streamer whose name is Jimmy Broadbent. He is an Englishman and he <laughs> lives in a shed. I'm not kidding. He lives in an actual I shed in his it. mother's garden. Okay? It's <laughs> a I've shed this guy. and it's got two things in the shed. There's a bed and there's the racing sim. <laughs> and wow. that's it. And this man has built a following based off of his positivity, based off of his proficiency in racing and in gaming. And just his positivity and general good attitude about situations. And he's got a really interesting past. He dealt with depression. He dealt with drug problems. For some time, he was just looking for a place to live. And then one day, his mom said, I've got a shed in my garden. You want to live there? (laughs) Kind of as a joke, she said that. And he was like, hmm, actually, I think that will go nicely. And he (laughs) made a career out of this shed. And he still sim races in his shed. And he has expanded his love for sim racing to the real world. He owns two Nissan GTRs, very fast cars. And he has um, a Miata, which he turbocharges and uses as a track car. So he's taken his virtual racing into the real world, and he's built a career off of that. And he still lives in a shed. That is the craziest thing. I thought (laughs) he he was kidding. cars outside the shed? (laughs) Exactly. He is... He... He has defied the lifelong statement that you can live in a car, but you cannot race a house. He can race a house. (laughs) He has proven to do so. He has defied the odds, and that makes him absolutely legendary. That's so funny. And you see um, people making their career bigger or just making a career out of racing... Uh, sim racing, sorry. Um, more, again, we keep going back to the pandemic, but it's something that really, I think, evolved the sport, if you will. Um, Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, he's uh, for one of the Ferrari drivers for Formula One. And he, I mean, he gained tons and tons of followers on his Twitch streaming, too. Um and obviously, it's very different because he already had a following. He already had people interested in what he did. But it's just interesting. I mean, I think he's 
I gained a lot of respect and think he's much cooler of a guy than before the pandemic. Um, made him more relatable even. Um, he's just somebody playing car games on the internet just like a lot of other people. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool aspect of it too. Yeah, and age definitely has to do something with this. Not yeah. to say age is a limiting factor, but the internet personalities we see are a lot younger. And that basically goes for any sort of media application, from being a famous musician to being a famous Instagram star, if you can call it that, to being a... We're, we're treading thin water here. Uh, or I, we're, 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 we're treading really deep water. Uh, and, um, you know, we see a lot of these young people doing this kind of, you know, here's me being a personality on screen, but that's not to say that age is a limiting factor to picking up a controller or picking up a rig like this because there are several people in their 70s and 80s who have sim rigs who are kicking my <laughs> butt online. I'm getting lapped, I'm getting passed, I'm getting outqualified, I'm being bamboozled by these 70 and 80-year-old people who are at home on the computer racing against me in a similar in a similar setup. I thought it was uh one of my older coworkers um he he, he was just chatting with me about I think he was talking about how his kids um, are spending all their allowance on Fortnite and stuff. He was complaining, and I thought that he was gonna be like, "Yeah, I can't believe they're buying all this video game stuff." And then he, he turned it a completely different direction, and him and I just bonded over how we like love the same video games, a lot of the same video games and everything like that. And again, the older guy, and I just thought it was really cool. I'm like, "Wow!" Like age isn't really a barrier in it at all um for some people i guess if you <laughs> my, my it becomes, dad's not the, the as becomes a date, limit but, as uh, everything yeah but for the most part anyone can do this mm-hmm. very cool it's crazy you know there are a lot of people also who have started off on the computer and they've actually ended up in real racing series with real mm. cars and they've gotten real sponsorship dollars from mm-hmm. real corporations you know, that would be a cool dream of mine. You know, if I could quit my day job and somehow become proficient enough in virtual driving to attract a sponsor on stream by miracle, get a full car, get a full team, get a calendar together and be able to drive around going as quickly as possible, yet risking my life on the on the global scale, that would that would really bring me so much joy. Justin's the next Formula One next big Formula One driver. We're the first interview with him. Yeah. <laughs> People will go back and listen to this. I'm a little old. I'm a little old to be (laughs) a racing driver. I think crazy uh, how young they start. Yeah, but um, you know, it's it's all about just doing your best in this sport. I consider it uh, doing your best in this hobby, doing your best on whatever scale you're performing at, and just gaining followers and people who like you and like what you do. That's really the most that you can ask for, and that's one of the reasons why I pulled the trigger on this setup. I've been wanting to build something like what I have for almost 10 years, ever since I tried a Logitech steering wheel at a Best Buy. They had a, <laughs> they had a setup, they had a display model, and I played that for so long. I remember my dad came and got me and was like, son, we need to go, you've been playing on really this game big. for an hour, and you probably have every single disease from all the people who have touched <laughs> this display model before you were going home. And ever since I tried that, 
it sparked a love for cars and it sparked a love for trying to become a race car driver at whatever level I could be competitive at. Mm-hmm. And I found that competitive level to be racing in my bedroom alongside people from all over the world with all different skill levels, just learning how to drive again, learning how to interact with people on the virtual racetrack, a lot like the people who do it in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we keep talking about how um, easy it is to get a steering wheel and stuff like that, but you can also play with a controller and stuff. That's where my kind of love for racing sims if you will came in we would we got like forza on the xbox and me and my dad would race and uh it was with controllers but it was still just a lot of fun and while you don't have that kind of feeling like you're actual driving necessarily you still are learning race lines and stuff like that um so you still get a lot of aspects of it which are pretty cool it's crazy to see how far we've come technologically where so many things in real life can be simulated in virtual life, for better or for worse, you know? Mm-hmm. There's some things that I think get simulated that probably should have just stayed in real life or <laughs> maybe should have even been taken away from real life, but we won't go there. It's just really cool to see this new community, especially in the pandemic. This would not have been a popular topic had COVID not happened. And as much as we want to be a downer and say how terrible this horrible virus is on ourselves and on our loved ones, it has brought upon some good things. Um, Whether or not those good things were needed uh, or outweigh (laughs) the bad things that have happened, uh, probably not. But definitely... 2020 has been a very interesting year. It's not over yet either. You know, who knows what could come around the corner. (laughs) Yeah. You have any more questions about racing? I think so. I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of some things too. So many questions. So many questions. So many things I didn't even know. I don't even know what to ask. Yeah, it's all just about learning. It's all just about learning. What was, uh, you said you wanted to go to New York for the the E-race? What was that? When was that going to be? And how did that? Do you have to buy tickets for that? Or you that would have been in November or so, I think. Well, actually, no, August it would have been. I know because one of my friends who actually lives in Manhattan went last year. It's um, it's in, oh, what's the, the place? It's in Brooklyn. So it's not in okay. Manhattan. It's in Brooklyn on a harbor, actually, that is right next to the city. Um, and they construct the street course, and then for three days they'll do a practice and they're qualifying. Hmm. And then the race is 45 minutes, which they do in one charge of a battery. So it's considerably shorter mm-hmm. than a race that's with gasoline cars, since you well, can no, only one charge. One are normally, what, an hour 30? Yeah, hour and a half with the two-hour cap. Formula E races are 45 minutes counting down from when the green flag flies. Yeah. And then whenever the 45 minutes runs out, that's when everyone's done. So, uh, so yeah, that would have been in August, and um, the tickets are actually pretty cheap. If anyone has ever gone to a real Formula One race, the tickets are ludicrously expensive. Yeah, they're very high. Uh, and people go, right? The, the stadium is full every single time. And I have yeah. no idea who has these financial means. Of course I do. The people who have financial means are the people who have exotic sports cars, or they save yeah. up lots of money to go to this one race, because... 
racing is a wealthy person's sport. There's no doubt about it. You need mm-hmm. a lot of money to get into it. You ha- need a lot of money to do an entire season. You're going to crash a few times. That's going to take money to replace parts. You need an entire team behind you, and you need to travel all over the world. So naturally, the people who follow the sport are usually more well-off to do who actually know that something like this exists, and that's why they go to it. But Formula E, a sustainable or more sustainable form of motorsport, is more accessible, and ticket prices are less. People just kind of come and go. The stadium is still full, but the tickets are a lot less expensive. So it would have been nice to go for the first time. I think there are a lot of novelty aspects of it, kind of like, Laurel, you were saying Mario Kart. They actually have (laughs) power-ups. They have like fan voting where if you vote for a driver, you can give them an extra electric boost during the huh. race. Um, <laughs> you, cool. you can't like you can't like fire blue shells at people. That would be that would <laughs> be dangerous. But but you can. But there's a lot of kind of gimmicks that make the mm. sport really unique. Um, so it would have been nice to go, but unfortunately not this year. Maybe next year, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, that'd be fun. That's something I want to go do now. Yeah, why don't we all I, go? You're closer than I am. <laughs> hey, you can stay in D.C. and then take the train to New York. Yeah, we'll New all York. take a train. Yeah, take the train to New York, and then we can go hang around Manhattan, and then we can go to Brooklyn to watch the Formula E race, and then have a grand <laughs> day with good friends. Colton yeah. went to New York. for. The, have you been to New York before, Justin? I have. I used to fly to New York for my job every other week. Oh, I actually wow. flew between New York and San Francisco. So mm-hmm. if you're wondering, the Fuck flight's me. like seven hours. <laughs> it's oh, crazy. <laughs> it's a long time to be kept in a metal box flying at 500 <laughs> miles per hour above everybody else. Yeah, I went for the first time. We've talked about it on the pod before. But our my second trip to New York got canceled supposed to be doing spring break but um maybe we'll go out for formula e now yeah in 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 2021 when everything is nice and there are rainbows again (laughs) hopefully have you um gone to the formula one track is it in texas the american circuit of the americas yeah i went for the 2019 race actually so back in november of last year i've got a friend who lives in houston it's maybe two hours or so away from Austin. And so I made a deal with him. If you let me stay at your place for the weekend, I'll buy you a ticket to the race. Oh, wow. Um, so I got him a ticket to the race. We went together, and we sat in the first sector where all of the uh, the fast S's are that with the American flag painted. And mm-hmm. I think it's cool to go not only because of the fast cars and the action, but also because of the people that you meet there. It's all about going and doing things with people who share your same passion, whether that's yeah. going to a rock concert, whether that's going to a sporting event, whether that's sitting and playing bingo with the local elderly <laughs> people on a Friday night. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, if you go to a place that has people who want to do the same things you do, you're going to have a good time. And that's what I think makes the monetary contribution completely worth it. Yeah, I agree. It's the same thing why anybody goes to any type of show or sporting event lots of fun definitely do you have any other questions i don't think this so is that's it the <laughs> q a portion of the podcast <laughs> laurel can ask any questions she has not really we kind of touched on it before the podcast but so you're not working from home actually during quarantine uh, justin's been going into work every day Yes, I've been going into work every day, and ever since mid-March, when we got the first coronavirus scare, 
We've been required to wear masks in the facility. We've got fans that are circulating air throughout the facility, as well as the vents in the HVAC always mm-hmm. running. And uh, when you come in in the morning, you have to have your temperature scanned. Oh, wow. uh, every day before we go home, we disinfect all the common surfaces. And then those same surfaces are disinfected the next morning before anyone comes into work. So we've been taking this pretty seriously. We've been, to most part, following the same protocols and staying really stringent and in line to make sure that none of us are getting sick. And for the most part, it has worked. We've had a couple of scares. People have had coronavirus tests, and they've come back negative, thankfully. And still, they are required to quarantine for at least Mm -hmm. a week, even if they come back negative, because a negative test, as we know, doesn't necessarily mean that you are negative for the virus. So all of the lab people, and there are about seven of us have been coming in every day and we try to make it so that we give each other space when we have to work in close proximity in the lab and when we're not all in the lab together we have scheduled times where we can go in do our work and then leave and get ready for the next person to go in because of course it's close contact that really uh, helps this virus spread which we want to prevent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess we didn't talk about it at the beginning of the podcast but justin is a chemical engineer graduated from mines with us and Barely. <laughs> being humble. He's By the smart. skin of my teeth. No. <laughs> and uh, his company actually makes the blue mountains on a Coors can that turn blue. So Colton's yeah, so if, over here. I know. It's if amazing. You have, if you have stayed this long to listen to me ramble <laughs> about my own passions and promote myself and my own Twitch channel, yes, my profession is a research scientist at Chromatic Technologies in Colorado Springs, and we are famous for making the blue Rockies change color on the cores like Best cans. job on the earth. <laughs> I know. You know what the best part is? I don't even have to do anything with that. That formulation has been finalized, and now the production employees do the work without any of my input. But you know what? I get to see a lot of cool things come out of that company. A lot of novelty things, also a lot of medical applications that we are trying to promote in the pharmaceutical industries. Obviously, we make the blue Rockies turn color, but we've also done <laughs> promotions with like Smirnoff. If you have their seltzer, their wet, their red, white, and blue cans that change color. <laughs> if you've ever had some of that, I'm not saying that you should. And if you're underage and listening to this podcast, <laughs> you definitely should not. I am not endorsing that. But if you do, if you are of legal age and you'd like to have a drink and you go into like the Safeway and you see special promotions for summer because everyone's drinking something zesty in the summer, that's our time to shine. <laughs> We put our ink on these cans. People put them in the fridge. Ooh, ah, they change color when they're ready to be <laughs> a drink because they're of the right temperature. Or they bring the can out and it changes color in the light because we have a photochromic system that's activated with UV rays from the sun. This is the time when everyone's out and about. Unfortunately, during coronavirus, you're not out and about as mm-hmm. much. But the, some of the things that you can do safely is go outside and have a nice picnic by yourself. And so if you decide to do that, then uh, you can go out with some Take of our products. Take a nice gram with the can that changes colors. Exactly. So we have the cans that change color. We have chip bags that change color. The work that I do is mostly with pharmaceutical applications. So vaccines are really temperature sensitive and we're hopefully fingers crossed coming up on a coronavirus vaccine which will also be temperature sensitive Mm -hmm. lots of things can freeze 
unfortunately, with these liquid vaccines, you can't really tell whether or not something's frozen. If you freeze water, it's very obvious that what you have is frozen. Mm -hmm. But vaccines, they can freeze at like two degrees Celsius, which is above freezing for water at least. Yeah. And so it's difficult to tell. Our temperature indicators, which I'm currently vetting and testing on in the lab, will be able to visually tell you if a vaccine has been frozen. Because if a vaccine has been frozen, it's ineffective. And what we see from studies by the WHO, which is a, literally a world-accredited organization, mm -hmm. they show that somewhere between 40 and 50% of all vaccines during the transportation chain from when they're manufactured to when they're actually injected into someone are exposed to freezing temperature. Whether or not that actually makes the vaccine frozen is dependent on the exposure time and also how low the freezing condition is. But 40%, up to 40% of the vaccines that we actually inject into human beings could be ineffective, could be just a placebo, because... <laughs> Basically, the vaccine is dead. It's been frozen. It's no good. And there's no indication to tell you that that's happened. So my hope is that I have created a technology that is robust enough to be a world standard for vaccines. A very cheap one-time use sticker that you stick on the outside of vaccine bottles that changes color when a vaccine has been frozen, thus indicating the end user that you should throw this away. You cannot use this on a person. That's so cool. Yeah. Justin's so, our coolest friend. <laughs> <laughs> our technology is a balance between novelty applications, like you see on food and beverage cans, which are disposable, to more, we'll say, applicable, <laughs> applicable <laughs> yeah, scenarios, applicable. like preventing frozen vaccines from being used on you. So our goal is to get something out around the time of the coronavirus vaccine when it comes out, get it approved so that people who are being treated not just for coronavirus but for also potentially life-threatening illnesses and diseases mm -hmm. have that assurance that the vaccine that they're being administered will work or at least will work to a higher extent and they have that kind of security and that buffer to know that it's not been tampered with that it's not been frozen that it has a chance to actually cure you of whatever disease that you happen to have. That's awesome. Sorry, Sorry we, we seem to have a uh, rave swarm of going on in the background. <laughs> they do this every couple days. Every day. <laughs> no, they do it every day. <laughs> at night, at <laughs> some point. A lot of times they do it at two in the morning. About 50 people on like four wheelers and motorbikes just drive down the street that Laura lives on, and it's really loud. <laughs> Like I thought it was. And <laughs> I thought it was a rave. It sounds like it's got a beat to it. I they know. must have this down. <laughs> it was. Uh, they went by earlier. I thought they were done, but they come. Normally, in waves. they only go by once. But they have a big maybe group they today. Came back. It's a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got extra time on their hands to burn fuel and ruin everyone else's days. <laughs> Colton loves the street I live on, though. He says there's always just show outside. It's, it's crazy to watch. It's it's one of the more popular, busier streets in DC. So, but back to um, your work and everything. It's so cool. It's really awesome. Uh, really important. It's yeah. like something that like will it, be on the news one day and like how your product yeah. is going to save so many lives. And the thing is with pharmaceutical applications, it takes a lot of time to get something approved. So it's no guarantee that this 
technology will even be out by the time that I spend at this company. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm contributing to this design and doing really important testing and vetting of the technology gives me a sense of accomplishment and why I go to work every day. You know, it's been difficult to come to work at some days because of the pandemic when you see a yeah. lot of other people working from home and not having to, you know, basically wrap themselves in a bubble when they walk <laughs> past people, which I definitely stand by. I definitely think we should all wear masks and keep mm-hmm. ourselves protected, but it is an inconvenience hard. for all of us, you know, yeah. and it's especially an inconvenience for people who have no choice but to go to work. And I cannot even think to imagine what it must be like to be a public service worker in a restaurant or in a grocery store having to deal with not just the people who are complying with the regulations and the requirements by the government, but also people who are being rebellious Mm -hmm. to all of the requirements as well. You know, I can't imagine that. So um, a shout out to all of you, nurses, (laughs) doctors, grocery store workers, um, attendants who are doing your job well during this time to make sure that people like us can continue to live our mm-hmm. lives as normally as possible. Yeah, huge thanks. Well, um, I think we're about ready to wrap up unless you had some other topics, Justin. I think plug I'm yourself good. a few more times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my last plug for the night, please, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you would like to watch an amateur sim racer have accidents <laughs> with mostly himself, go to twitch.tv slash justinl 14 and please follow the channel if you believe the content is making your life a better place uh, because I would very much like to display my love and my passion for sim racing, simulation racing, virtual driving, whatever you want to call it, to a wide audience and as big of an audience as I can grab the attention of. That would be very wonderful, and I hope to continue growing an already loyal and thriving fan base. It was a lot of fun to watch, so I'd recommend it. Yeah, definitely. And you can look up his setup on his Instagram. Do you want to plug your Instagram? Yes, and if you go to my Twitch channel and you'd actually like to build a setup of your own, <laughs> I've got a parts list. Oh, uh, it cool. does not come with prices. Uh, I would, I would, <laughs> I would make sure to consult the internet to see if you can afford these things or want to afford these things. Just blindly hit purchase. (laughs) Just blindly hit purchase. doesn't matter how much it costs. I want to be as cool as Justin. That's right. (laughs) I really liked your setup last night. Like when you went on a break, it had like music and had all your social medias. I was like, that's really cool. I remember when... When I got my web camera, I was like, okay, I have to go all out. Even if I only have two followers, I don't care if there's like half a viewer when I'm streaming. I need to try to be as professional as possible. So I got in touch with some people who make transitions and overlays, and I found some non-copyrighted music that I could put over my stream so that every time someone subscribes or someone follows or I need to go to the bathroom I can push a button (laughs) on my phone and there's a seamless transition to a new screen um, trying to mimic the people that I follow yeah, it was, it was really a really cool. professional setup. Well, it was like the best part of the stream was when you would pause. I'm just no. kidding. I'm kidding. I also really liked, so I like subscribe. I made a Twitch account and I subscribed. And then my username just stayed on the stream the whole <laughs> That's time. That's right. And as great. far as I can tell, as long as no one else tunes in, your name will be on there for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the podcast will help you. Maybe I'm the sure. podcast will help me. Please, if all of you are listening, please give a shout out to your fellow trying to make it twitch streamer i'm not trying to make money 
In fact, my greatest fear is relevancy. So if we keep the stream <laughs> capped at like 200 followers and I get on average 10 to 20 views, that is about as much as I want. I no, don't need anyone close, digging up base. information about me <laughs> no, and no viral putting videos, it on blast. Just fan base. Very loyal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. Definitely do that. Our Instagram is... At Let's Rally Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's... We don't use Twitter or anything like that. We have a Twitter. It's called Let's Rally Pod. Mm. Wow. I, I need to go it. follow that. I made a Twitter not too <laughs> I don't long ago to promote ever myself. I anything's on it. <laughs> Our Instagram's oh okay. Once once we put out episodes, I try to yeah, we need to have get, good content. We need to get back into it. I started work. Laurel recently moved. We'll do a recap on everything like that because yeah. we haven't done that either. But this episode should come out soon because now we're motivated mm-hmm. to edit it. <laughs> so. That's great. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I can think of no better way to promote myself and my <laughs> passion than through good friends who are also promoting themselves and their passions. You know, we're bringing each other a lot of love here. We are trying to stay as connected as possible despite the circumstances of the world happening around us. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The friendship is still there. Yeah. The emotions are still there. I still care for all of you. When you are back in Colorado, if you ever visit soon, you are more than welcome to come over and see me and try out this really expensive piece of metal. <laughs> well, definitely <laughs> try it. Really and yeah, if you metal. ever come to the East Coast, you're welcome here. Come out and visit. You're also welcome on the podcast anytime. If yeah, you have that's a new fantastic. passion that you just want to talk about. <laughs> oh, I had one more thing I wanted to bring up. Please. Justin is very good at like woodworking and DIYs. He made me this awesome piece of decor. It's the Colorado flag. And I moved it to DC, and I just wanted to show it's it off to him. It's been up in the uh, in her window. Oh! <laughs> I remember him making it for me when we were here. We'll tours. have to post a picture for everybody. Yeah, it's like a on wooden um, Colorado flag. It's really and cool. And he asked what like stain color I wanted, and it, it's a it's beautiful. Yes, when you, when you have a very small customer base, <laughs> commissions are basically the standard. So anything <laughs> that you want, yes, I could get it. Well. We'll have to have you on again. It's been a lot of fun. And That'd be great. Again, yes. Justin. I look forward to it. Thank you again for allowing me to visit your channel and this podcast. I am incredibly honored, not just to be able to talk to all of you again, but to be able to share my passion with everyone who listens in. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye.